What is going on guys? Uh, thank you again for joining me for episode number two of the Brotherhood podcast. Uh, if you haven't seen the first one, this is where we really delve deep into everything men's mental health, philosophy, consciousness, the evolution of consciousness, uh, high performance, entrepreneurship, you name it. Um, really just exploring all the different avenues of life and ways in which uh, as men we can grow, become more and, and really live life aligned with, with who we really are and who we really want to be. Now, today's guest is Scott Harris. His track record really just speaks for itself. I give a good intro at the start here, um, explaining obviously who he's worked for, um, what he's done in his life. And this is an awesome podcast. It was extremely powerful for me, as I'm sure it was for Scott. And I know it's going to add a lot of value to your guys. We open up on on many things when it comes to um, our mentorship, how important it is, uh, and and how an initiation of rite of passage is very much needed in today's society. So look, uh, I won't speak anymore. I'll let the podcast do the talking, uh, obviously. So look, go ahead, jump in there. I hope you guys enjoy it. Alrighty, guys. See you in there. Alrighty, guys. So thank you for joining me today. This is uh, episode number two of the Brotherhood podcast. Uh, I'm actually super excited today because I've got a really special guest um, and I'm very excited for you guys to, to hear the value he has to offer. So um, look, today's guest is Scott Harris. He's been one of my uh, many mentors on the path, on the path uh, and he's probably been one of the most impactful ones on my life. Um, Scott has been uh, coaching and mentoring for 20 years now uh, to individuals, businesses, large audiences, really helping them grow physically, uh, financially, spiritually and emotionally. Um, He's worked alongside a lot of the best in the world, including Tony Robbins, Richard Branson, Robert Kiyosaki, uh, and he currently is actually speaking at most of Tony's events, uh, UPW. Um, Day with Destiny and also Business Mastery as well. So, look, it's awesome to have Scott here today. Welcome, mate. Hey, thanks very much, man. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's awesome. Thank you for coming on. Uh, look, Scott, it's obviously crazy times right now. How are you dealing with everything going on? Oh, I mean, we're loving it. I mean, I have chosen to work from home for the last 20 years. Uh, obviously, I travel internationally for events, but on a day-to-day basis, my life exists within the four walls of my home. So the five people I love the most all live here and here all day, every day. Uh, we're financially sound and we're physically well. Um, so we're having a good time. Beautiful. Like, I think, I think that's the big thing that I've noticed with this time as well is that it's like really brought a lot of families closer together. And I know with myself too, like it's really made me realize like how much our family does rely on us. And I was actually like listening to a video by this guy named Tully um and he was talking about that like leadership actually starts at at home you know and it starts with like our family members and and with the people we love the most so i think it's really important in these times to focus on that thing and then build to the community after that absolutely beautiful so look scott um obviously i'd love to delve deep into your backstory um we chatted a bit about it before but i'd love to obviously for you to just chat to me about like where you started and how you've got to where you are now. I think like sadly, lots of Australians, I came from a little bit of a dysfunctional background. I was blessed to have three dads before I was 10. Um, I had been to eight schools by the time I got to grade eight um, and lived in about 
25 different houses in three different states before at 15, I figured that I knew everything um, as you do at 15. And so I left home and so began the conscious part of my life. Uh, um, so that's kind of the, the very first 15 years in a, in a quick uh, nutshell. Uh, I didn't have any challenges where, you know, there was no drug abuse and violence and whatnot, but certainly there was lots and lots of emotional upheavals. Uh, I was at 15 drinking, you know, consistently five or six days a week and, um, you know, doing inappropriate things and um, uh, very much living right, right, right on the edge of what was legal and what was safe. Wow. It's incredible, like, where, like, all begins, isn't it? Well, I was, and I think life goes in chapters and there's uh, every chapter has some lessons and some value. And, um, yeah. and with hindsight, usually you can see the value of the chapter. Uh, I was blessed yep. to have, I was blessed to have some people really support me very well, sort of between about 15 and 18. And, um, mm. and that helped a lot. I think we talked about yesterday. I had three different men that really helped support me a lot. My best friend's dad and, um, and my football coach. Um, and an uncle that nobody in my family really talks to. Uh, and those mm. three men in their different roles were really able to help me uh, sort of navigate moderately safely those important sort of years of, of sort of 15, 16, 17, 18. Mm -hmm. uh, I spent a year working in a bottle shop when I was 16. You could do that back in the 80s illegally um, <laughs> because everybody had photo ID, uh, excuse me, everybody had paper ID and, and everything was pretty simple to, to, to prove back then. <laughs> So I found it ironic that at 16 and 17, I was working in a bottle shop, uh, but I couldn't legally buy beer. Um, and, then, uh, and then just because of geography and space and time, as happens, those three mentors kind of drifted out of my life at 18, 19. And then um, I kind of had a, about a 10 or 12 year chapter, which is a long chapter of just, yeah. uh, of just being a bit lost, really, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and running a little bit on autopilot. And then um, um, I was brought up by three different dads and they all taught me pretty much the same thing. Put your head down and bum up and work hard. So yeah. at 18, 19, 20, I was already working hard and running nightclubs and owned a cafe and owned a restaurant and ran some franchise stores and was consistently working 60, 70, 80 hours a week thinking if I got a big house and a European car and, uh, and made lots of money that my life would be good. So by 25, mm. 26, that's what I was doing. I was working consistently 80, 90 hours a week. Um, living on about 10, 15 shots of coffee a day and um, um, hadn't healed any of the wounds of my relationships with the past. So I hadn't healed any wounds yeah. with any of my fathers or stepfathers or half siblings or ex siblings or my mother. I hadn't spoken to my mother for 10 years from 15 to 25. Mm. Um, literally didn't speak to her for 10 years. Um, wow. And then at about sort of my late 20s, I, I sort of stumbled across this space called personal development. And um, and, um, and, uh, and that really was the beginning of the next chapter of my life. Yeah. Well, and I think like, this is, I think it's such like a powerful topic because I think like it's something, especially for a lot of young males today and just anyone in general is that, I don't know, Gary V talks about this a lot as well, but you know, we have this idea that, you know, it, the whole success is the flashy side of things. Um, and like I've been caught up in it myself, you know, it's, and you can understand why it happens based on my like outside influences, like uh, the way, you know, the media or, or like movies and everything portray this to be. Uh, but 
I think like what's really powerful there, like you were saying that you got lost, um, you know, I think it's really important to establish like who you are first and then from that place, like build the life that you really want. And would you say like that was like the flick of the switch that you had was like you really decided to like go inwards first and then from that you build the life that you have now? I think um, I'm going to debunk the myth that there is one thing. Uh, I'm going yeah. to debunk the myth that there's a switch that gets flicked. I'm going to debunk the myth that there's one perfect book to read or one perfect seminar to go to or mm -hmm. one perfect profound insight to have. Um, yeah. If I look back on my life and I'm old, I mean, I'm 52 years old. Um, there's moments and there's lots of them and some of them are pivotal and, mm -hmm. um, but there's more than one. So if mm -hmm. you said to me today, you know, what's the most important book I should read? I'm like, well, there's not an answer to that. The answer is it depends no. on, where you're at in your journey and right now, yeah. what are your wounds and what do you need next? And so mm. if I look back on my life, um, one of my greatest strengths was the ability to say no and, yep. and not accept the norm and not just, um, and, and not just say yes to situations and circumstances that were put in front of me just because they seemed good or cool or appropriate or well-paid. Um, yeah. My experience of the generation before me is that they don't really question and challenge their life that much. And so yeah. it's kind of like, um, and I say that with respect that that might come back to bite me, but it's kind of like, <laughs> um, I, I, I was always good at saying, look, I don't know what I want and I don't know where I'm going, but it's not that. So even though that looks good and sounds good and smells good and is well paid, I'm going to say no to that. And people would say to me, are you nuts? Why are you saying no to that? That's a really cool opportunity. That's a really yeah. cool job. That's a really cool business. I'm like, it is, it's all of those things. Um, mm. But it's not what it is that I want to do. Uh, yeah. And so I was good at saying no. And it took me a while to find my yeses. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's incredibly powerful. And like, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes you don't know like why certain things happen in your life like even right now <clears throat> but as you said like in hindsight i remember like steve jobs had a quote like in order to connect the dots forwards you must first connect them backwards and you only really see like when you go backwards how like everything like how that had to work out for you to gain that skill to become like this version because if you would have got that opportunity at that point in time like you probably weren't ready a hundred percent, a hundred percent certain. So um, now the challenge is you don't know that in the moment. I love, you know, for me, I'm always looking, listening, feeling and hearing for whatever challenge I'm having, um, yeah. whatever obstacles in front of me, whatever person's in front of me, whatever money challenge I'm having, whatever frustration I'm feeling and going, gosh, is this a feather, a brick or a truck? What is the universe trying to send me or tell me or have me get here and the quicker and the faster and the better I can get that lesson uh the better otherwise the lesson keeps coming and coming and coming and unfortunately yeah. or fortunately hindsight is always more um has greater clarity than foresight foresight's more valuable but hindsight has more clarity yeah yeah and what would you say is like a real powerful like tool or like exercise that someone could use to gain more clarity with where they're at right now, especially oh, if you say for like a younger, what was that? Three breaths, three breaths, <laughs> three breaths, literally just three breaths, man. Just yeah. we're so automatically programmed to respond instantly. And so the minute he says this, then I say that, then you say this, then I say that. And we think the game is about faster. 
Mm. So you can be seven sentences into an argument or a conversation and you don't even know how it started. Mm. It started with pass me the salt. What do you mean pass me the salt? You get the salt. Well, why are you doing what? <laughs> how the hell did that just happen? Yeah. Um, so three breaths, just, you know, a breath, a moment of pause, you know, mm. three heartbeats, just a moment to go before you engage your, your mouth, you know, before mm. you engage your hands or your body to act and either do something or say something or, or, or make an action or, or take a step and just go, okay, what else could this mean? What's the giftiness? What's mm. the blessing in that? Mm. Um, just slowness. You know, even yeah. in public speaking, the greatest gift we teach people is just to slow down. Slow down. Um, so nothing more sophisticated than that, man. Just breathe, pause. <sighs> okay, my turn. And maybe in that three, two to three second gap while you're breathing or pausing, some space might open up. But in that space, you might find something or feel something or notice mm. something or absorb something that you hadn't noticed when you were just in that intense automatic auto response modality that most people are in. Like sort of your turn, mm. my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. Most people when they're speaking aren't even waiting for your turn to be finished. They're just happy to interrupt you. Yeah. They're not even really interested in what you're going to say. Um, yeah. Or they think they know what you're going to say and they've already got their counter argument built up to what you were, were going to say. <laughs> so, so monkey like, mind chatter, you know. A hundred percent. So you have your turn. I'm like, no, 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 no. I know what you're going to say. And that's not it. I'm like, I, I didn't even say what I was going to say yet. Well, it doesn't matter. I know what you're going to say. So, uh, just a breath, man, just a, a yeah. breath and a pause. Uh, I think in the heat of the battle, there's nothing bad about a timeout. Um, in your own mind, when you're mm. find yourself spiraling down just internally, there's nothing bad about a break. There's nothing bad about, you know, being a dog, man, just put your head out the window and get some fresh air. Just, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. stand up and go get a glass of water. Just, you know, put on a song. Mm. Just uh, get outside and do 10 push-ups on the grass with your bare yeah. feet. Um, just Change just, your state. Just to stop the spiral, man. Mm. Whatever the spiral is, whether the spiral is elevating or going down. Either way, if we want to stop the spirals, because things get out of hand pretty quickly. Well, I think that was something like, but that's really powerful because I think that's something that I've really had to learn is especially like over the last year is like the monkey mind chatter can get so loud at times and you like, it's it, obviously it takes over. So it's, it, it consumes you and you, it's so important to then take that deep breath and create that separation between you and the voices. And like I was doing this live challenge where this guy calls it like the heart of presenting. And he talks about mm -hmm. like when you stop and wait for like, say for example, when you have like a topic and you give yourself like a moment for the right word to come and to like mm -hmm. choose and choose it, not just like know that whatever the word comes up and you choose it, like say that word with certainty and just trust like that's exactly the word that's needed in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like accessing flow state. Mm -hmm yeah i think that's super powerful so like i would ask you like what's your your opinion on say things like because i'm super passionate about flow state and obviously there's like the rise of superman by um, i can't remember the author and obviously there's people like jason silver are super powerful about this and it's kind of like the combination of like discipline and surrender and then in that middle is like the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. 
So what would be your opinion on that is like in terms of, and how have you dealt with like, say for example, the pressures of like working for Tony Robbins and, and being surrounded by all these people. And obviously as you've built your success yourself, like there's no such thing as balance is there. I feel like flow state is something that's cultivated every now and then, or is it something that you can cultivate consistently? Well, I, I agree massively that there's no such thing as balance. I think balance is a misnomer. Anything that's balanced is stationary and still, and life isn't stationary and still. A chair is balanced, but it's not moving. Mm. Um, I think people talk about this, this myth of I'm trying to have this thing called work-life balance. What I'm looking for, I guess, is to be consciously out of balance. When is it time to push hard? And mm. when is it time to relax and not push hard? When is it time to really focus on my family? When is it time to say, you know what, they're doing great and I need to go and focus hard on my business? When is it time to really just, you know, let go of your food rules and 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 drink some wine and, and eat some pasta? And when is it time to go, okay, we need to really focus on your body right now and get it back in shape and get it where it mm. needs to be. Mm. So I think it's that consciously out of balance. And then mm. when you're consciously focused on something, whether it be a health goal, a money goal, a short-term project to you know run a triathlon or write a book or launch a website or whatever, um, you do want to find a way of tapping into flow and, mm-hmm. and tapping into a state in that particular context where it's not effortful, but that mm-hmm. it's effortless. You Less, know, whether yeah. it's you're going for that run and you just you you find that zone where you know, you're running so much and so often that it just becomes effortless because you just, you get up and you're cranking out your five and 10 and 15 K runs or you're, you know, up, you're trying to get a website launched and you're, you know, up till two in the morning for, you know, 10 days straight, just getting it finalized and getting WordPress done and getting the photos and getting the font and whatever. And it's just like, it's effortless because you're in flow. Yeah. Um, now, while you're doing that, it tends to be that the other wheels fall off a little bit because you eat two minute noodles and you're, you know, not eating, treating your body well because you're working until three in the morning every day. Um, and that's why you want to be conscious of, I can't be like that for six months. That's going to yeah. have some consequences. Um, yeah. Same thing with you know, marathon training or work. There's sometimes there's a time to push and sometimes there's a time to let go. And I think being conscious about that is, is really important. For sure. Yeah, that's powerful. Very powerful. Because like, I think, like you could say the ego mind loves to latch on to that. And where am I trying to go with this? Like I find it myself whenever like I'm pushing too hard and stuff like that. I feel like sometimes like my ego can get massive and then I forget you become almost like very like self-centered. Do you understand Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think like, sometimes when you take that time to as you said breathe and be still like you get to really become more aware and conscious of your environment and like where your family's at and the people around you and also become more conscious of like the impact that that could also be having on them and your surroundings too for sure for sure yeah awesome well look scott i'd love to obviously delve deeper into because I know we talked about, and I think this is obviously the essence of brotherhood is talking about, you know, obviously that transition from boyhood to manhood, as it's been something I've been taking myself on uh, in the last year or two. Um, look, and we obviously touched base on like male initiation and male rite of passage uh, and how important like male mentors are when it comes to, you know, when you're in that sort of stage of really trying to figure yourself out uh, and, and 
create, I guess, the person that you really want to become or become more of like your authentic self. Um, so for you, like one, like how important do you believe like that mentorship is? And like, obviously you touch base on the mentors that you had and like how important were they for you? Oh, just hugely important. Um, and both in a negative and a positive way, by yeah. mean both, in a, both in a present and an absent way. So, you know, at 12 years old, um, my stepdad was, you know, less than 10 years older than me. And I was already a pretty mature and sophisticated 12 year old. So I was already acting 15 and 16. And, yeah. you know, my stepdad was only just turning 20. Um, and at 15, I'd left home. And so there was no mentors and no role models at all. And so, um, yeah, I was just a, a, a rudderless ship man. Um, and mm. so my life went really, really sideways very, very quickly. And things got pretty ugly, very, really, really quickly. Um, and, um, and I'm a hundred percent certain now in hindsight that that was because of just a lack of strong rail, male role models and, and, and male uh, mentors. As I mentioned, I was lucky to have three men sort of step in mm. and offer a supporting role as best they could. Um, and they really saved me significantly during those, uh, those years of sort of 16, 17, 18. Um, and then they said geography would have it. Those role models uh, moved away and, and, and separated from me. So there was a long period really until I was about 30 of, um, of not having role models and really just being lost and not having a male mentor, not having a father figure, an uncle, a brother, uh, a kindred spirit to share the journey with. And it really, really, truly wasn't until I was 40 that I really understood how important male friendship was. And so by the time I got to 40, it was less about mentors, although I certainly still have them now. I've been very diligent in the last 12 years at always looking for friends older than myself. So friends that are, mm. for me, 20 years older. So friends that are in their 60s and 70s. I think if you're listening mm. to this right now and you're 20 years old, you should definitely be looking for mentors and role models that are 35 and 40. Yeah. I know you're a young man uh, and yeah. I've been a mentor and a role model to you, which I'm, I'm proud and, and, and uh, humbled to have been. Um, so you know, just being hugely important to me when I've had them, my life has been great. And when I haven't had them, my life has sucked. And yeah. I think culturally, as you mentioned, we really don't have any rituals. We don't have any rite mm. of passage. And I think culturally men have been forgotten for 50 years. Now I'm hesitant to say this because people will come back and slap me around. <laughs> yeah. If I think about, culturally really up until the 1950s and and mid 60s white middle class men ruled the world and i understand that and i what's well, that's not my fault and i'm certainly part of that uh, gender but mm. th that's what was and then yeah. the 60s we spent 10 or so years talking about race relationships and the importance of race equality and the importance of uh, emancipation of people of different colors and then in the 70s, uh, obviously, we began the process of um, feminization and femininity and the feminine cause mm. and emancipation of mm. women. Mm. Uh, in the 80s and 90s, we really talked about the equality and the equalness of the sexes. But that wasn't really about supporting men. It was just, it was really raising women up. And, and in a way, we minimized men because they, we talked about sensitive new age men and the modern mm. man who was, you know, the nails polished and, you know, coiffed hair and beautiful clothing sort of we had that stuff for, for 15 or so years between the, the, the late 80s and, and, and all of the 90s and then really the first decade and a half of the 20th century was really about um, transgender people and gay people and lesbian people and mm. it's really been 
uh, we've had you know 50 years of focus on very many subsets of our community, all quite rightly and all quite necessary and all quite justifiably, and mm. to many extents, all quite significantly successfully now, whether it's race relations, whether it's the rise of feminine power, whether it's the, the equality of the lesbian and gay transgender community. But there's no question for me that the males have been forgotten. Now, I'm, I'm scared to say this because people say, what are you talking about? You know, 50-year-old mm. white men still rule the world. But if I think about, you know, I could name half a dozen female role models right now off the top of my head, whether they're for 25-year-olds mm. or whether they're for 55-year-olds. Yeah. But it's tough to name half a dozen male role models. I'm talking culturally, pop culture role models. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not talking about famous people, but actual role models. But mm. it's difficult to name four or five um, role models for for men and role mm. models for young boys. It really is because um, mm. they're, they're they're forgotten part of the community, and and that's why teenage boys and fifty year old men are the two most likely groups of people in Western culture to commit suicide. Yeah. It's 50-year-old men who have been ignored and forgotten and 20-year-old boys that are lost and have got no Which is uh, our no two vision, age range. Which, which is the two groups that are most likely to, to, to say, I'm done, I'm checking out. Yeah. So yeah. it's a significant problem. I think it's slowly, but ever so slowly improving. Mm. Um, and I really, it's, 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 it's significantly problematic. It really is. Because mm. when you have mentors, um, which doesn't mean they're perfect, but when you have mentors that are a, a couple of steps further down the path than you, which mm. means usually they're a bit older, um, yep. and they can just guide you and you know uh, pat you on the head and say, good boy, well done. They can show you how to hold the hammer. They can talk to you about how to have the conversation. It's, as we talked about yesterday, it's that, mm. it's that um, master and apprentice relationship. Mm. Um, and I think people need to take the political edge out of that sentence master and apprentice doesn't mean one is better than the other it means one has studied something for 20 years yeah. and they're good at it and the other hasn't studied it for 20 years and wants to become good at it and so the master and apprentice relationship whilst traditionally may have had some tough financial and political bindings to it the essence of it is it's the transference of knowledge and wisdom Mm-hmm. And so the reason that boys and men want to go fishing, hunting, dirt biking, sailing, walking in the forest together is it's during those physical activities, I transfer knowledge that I've acquired over 20 years that's allowed me to survive and be a good hunter and be a successful producer. And I transfer that knowledge to the apprentice. And then one day the apprentice is cleverer than me and they can go off and do their own hunting and their own <laughs> capturing and their own building and their own success. Yeah, I love that. Like, I think that's like, I was reading a book. I don't know if you've ever read the book. Um, like, first of all, thank you for, for talking all, all about that. I think it's incredibly powerful. You're welcome. Um, and I don't know if you ever read the book Manhood by Stephen Biddulph. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So I read that one actually a couple of, a couple of months ago. And it was before I went and uh, see my dad. And uh, <laughs> I get a bit emotional talking about this. But um, they talk about, like it's so important when you, when you are moving into manhood that you like heal that father wound. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like that's incredibly powerful for a lot of young males is to like create that deeper connection, like with your father or, or like, even if he's not alive, like to go back and, and trace the steps because that is like your direct connection to like your, your own masculinity is, is like your dad. 
Well, I don't know if you know this, but I didn't meet my biological father until I was about 45 years old. Yeah, I remember you saying um, that. And uh, so he left when I was two, which is not uncommon. Lots of dads are leaving when they're two and, and didn't come back for all sorts of reasons. And I made up all sorts of stories about what that meant and yeah. blah, 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 blah. And, um, and uh, really at, at, at 45, I finally found him and, and met him. And, uh, and for me, it, it, it didn't really, um, didn't heal any wounds because I'd done that at an earlier time. But what yeah. it did do, was really just closed a chapter for me and, and didn't leave a chapter open and hanging and, and, yeah. um, and um, just unfinished and untouched. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, certainly um, what you just said to him is all good stuff, man. If your dad's alive and you're disenfranchised from him, I would 100% encourage you, encourage you to, to just reach out, have a phone call and, and yeah. not with any expectation of rebuilding a friendship because he may not have the skills or tools for that. He may not mm. be able to do that. He may have his own guilt and own and own wounds and so may not be capable of doing that. But you do it for your own peace of mind. You do it for your own sense of closure and, and wholeness and completeness. Exactly. And if your dad's dead, do the same thing, man. Go to the beach, although not now because you'll get fined. Uh, you know, <laughs> sit, on your, sit on your back porch and just, you know, write a letter to your dad. And if you've got anger, express your anger. Um, mm. If you've got sadness, express your sadness. If you've got questions, ask your questions. You know, Dad, why didn't you love me? Why didn't you come back? Mm. Um, trust me, I've had all those questions. Having had, truthfully, not just one dad leave, but two dads left. Because when I was 10, my stepdad left. And he'd been my stepdad from two until 10. And so for all intents and purposes, he was my dad as well. Uh, and he left as well. And so I had, the, I had that experience happen twice. So double the wounds and double the stories, none of which were true. Um, no, but you don't find that out till you're. You we totally create them all, but you don't find out yeah. they're not true till you're 35, uh, <laughs> yeah. and have been living and been living in pain for 25 years. You're a bit smarter than me, so you've worked on your pain. <laughs> it, it, on a serious note, if anybody is listening to this, then they really are disenfranchised from their dad. Um, I would strongly, strongly encourage you to put down fault, to put down blame, mm. and don't worry about it's his fault or he should call me or it's he. Don't worry about anything. He was an asshole to my mom or like what? Trust me, whatever you've heard is only one side of a story. And there yeah. are three sides to every story. Three. There's your mm. side, her side, and what really happened. And yeah. I've had a couple of occasions in my life where the story I had was so far from being true, it wasn't funny. Mm. So I'd encourage you to put your story down and just, you know, send a text, make a phone call, be even better. Um, and just say, hey, look, whatever happened, happened. And um, I just want you to know I'm grateful for my life and I, I wish you happiness and wellness. And if that turns into something great and if it doesn't turn into something, that's great too. Um, mm. But just don't leave, you know, burning, hot, open wounds unattended. Um, and often we go, oh, it doesn't bother me. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a shit. Um, trust me, that's a wound. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. It's just always nice to heal them and close them up, man. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, and I think like that is like a super powerful thing. Like on this journey, I think the biggest lesson I've got is, especially like on this healing journey, uh, is like the realization that there was nothing wrong with you at all. You know, like right. you're perfectly imperfect. You know, and it's all just stories that like you created growing up based on like obviously. You know, there could be some traumas and stuff that happened uh, in your life that, you know, molded it a certain way and like, other people's voices and influences and stuff. 
But I think yeah. that like deep realization of like who you truly are, like the things that you love and the things that like you aspire to be and the things that like light up your energy or like your enthusiasm are like exactly who you're supposed to be. And you just got to keep following that like enthusiasm that's like guiding you to who you're here to be. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and along that, keep doing the work. You know, yeah. people often say, oh, I'm just, you know, I, I, discovering yourself or finding yourself um, requires some work. You know, yeah. when I'm at seminars and I say to people, you know, go get a buddy. And then I say, well, put your hand up if you haven't got a buddy. And then I say to them, okay, well, now your hand's up. You have to walk around the room and go find somebody else with a hand up. You can't just stand still with your hand up thinking, why haven't I got a buddy? Um, so what I love about you as a young boy, young man, is, is you've done the work. So you're coming to seminars, spending lots of money, you're reading books, you're, 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 you're doing the work. And, and I think mm. sometimes people think finding yourself is this passive process and it's not, no. it's an active process. You've got to read yeah. lots of books and listen to lots of podcasts and make some tough phone calls and have mm. some tough conversations with your dad or your mom or your brother or your uncle or whoever that man was in your life. It, it, it's, it's doing the work. It's a, it's an active process. Yeah. And like, I think to myself, I was speaking to my mate the other day and like, I was thinking about like, say for example, like people like you and Tony Robbins. Like, I think about to where I've got to like right now, obviously I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but like, I think of even where to where I am now, like the amount of work that I've had to do, to like get to where I am now like I'm even considering like to get to where like yourself and Tony and all these people who are like later down the line I know it's a journey and obviously that's like another 30 years down the line but like it is a lot of work and you got to consistently be showing up well I, I wouldn't say it's a lot of work I'd say it's work yeah. And so that's why I go back to the conversation 20 minutes ago about debunking the myth that there's one special book or there's one special moment or there's one special conversation. There's lots of poignant books and I could nail it down to 20 or 30. There's mm. poignant conversations and poignant moments. Like for me, the decision to meet my dad face to face. Um, but over, you know, 50 years, you know, for me now, 30 years of personal development journey, um, there's lots of those. And so life is a process and it is ongoing. And every time you think oh, I'm done now, I'm so profoundly wise. <laughs> yeah. I'm, so, I'm so all knowing now um, yeah. the universe comes along and says, all right, well, giddy up. Let's see how wise you are. <laughs> yeah. Here's a new problem um, yep. called a spouse or children or a sick parent or a business <laughs> yeah. challenge or whatever. So I, I, I think it's kind of like, I spoke to a friend of mine the other day who's massively successful, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And he's, he's a couple of years younger than me. I've known him for 25 years when he was literally just a chippy and a carpenter. And now he's literally worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And he said, Scotty, you know, I can remember making a decision about money. And he said, I can remember making a decision and just deciding that I was going to be a lifer. I said, a lifer, what does that mean? He said, I just, I decided at a young age, he said, I was just going to commit to understanding and learning about money for the rest of my life. He said, I wasn't just, I didn't want to just be a kid that set a goal of, I want to make $50,000. And this is, this is obviously from my age, 50 grand was a, a big goal 30 years ago. And then the ultimate goal was to make a hundred thousand dollars. He said, I didn't want to do that because I just wanted to commit to say, I'm going to study and understand wealth and business and accumulation of wealth for the rest of my life. And so sure enough, here he is, you know, 25, 30 years later, and he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And I have no doubts that at 60 and 70, he'll be worth multiples of hundreds of millions of dollars because it's just been a lifelong journey for him to study and understand this thing called wealth. 
Mm. And I think it's the same in other areas of your life, whether that's health or whether that, I mean, I'm not on a diet, but I made a decision at about 25 that I wanted to be healthy and conscious about my body. And so my wife and I consciously treat our bodies well and work out and eat well and, and so forth. And we still have, you know, alcohol and, you know, croissants, but we still eat well. And that's not some phase that we're in. It's, it's the life journey that we're on. Yeah. And I would encourage anybody who's listening to this to just recognize that if you, it's so easy to have a happy, healthy, whole, full, rich, abundant, healthy life, but it's a journey, not a five minute process. It's not yeah, a six week course. No, quick fix. Um, no, it's not a six week course. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a read one book and I'm done. It, it, it's a journey. And, mm. and, and when you get to the point of a journey where you, where you've arrived, trust me, there'll be another station and there'll be another yep. chapter and there'll, there'll be another thing to overcome or learn or study or, or whatever. Beautiful. I love it. Um, and like, yeah. And I think like, that's what makes it so interesting is, is like the journey itself and like the ups and the downs. Like I love to obviously like look at life as like a video game. Uh, like my inner child totally loves is. that. Yeah. It yeah. totally pretty much is. And it's like each time, like you have to like become a better character, right? Like you have to level up, but then in the next level, like there'll be a, a greater challenge, you know, and things like that. But I like think to myself, right. If like you look at a video game, if the video games were easy, like you would have just brought them back to the bloody store and like put them back. So mm -hmm. like you wouldn't want life to be easy. It's the challenges and like overcoming them and then being on the other side that makes it so much better. And it's like who you become. Like I know Tony talks about that and you've said it a lot, obviously at your events too, where it's like, it's not the goal itself. It's like who you become striving towards that goal. Mm -hmm which is the most powerful thing. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. Do you have anything else to elaborate on that? Uh, look, I mean, you're a hundred percent right. We've talked about this before you and I, and, and uh, I think the goal is important. You know, I think you need to have the goal because that's the target in the short term and the short term yeah. might be one month, three months, six months, it might even be three years, it might've been a five year short term goal. I want to be a millionaire. Or I want to get a doctorate degree or I want to, travel to 80 countries and they're good goals um but everybody will say who's old and wise and it's annoying the young people but everyone will say trust me uh the journey is more powerful than the goal yeah in my own example i can remember being a young man and deciding that i was going to do this thing called an iron man triathlon which 25 years ago nobody was doing i watched <laughs> this thing on wide world of sports saw these two ladies crawl across the finish line of this crazy 9, 10, 12, 15 hour race and said, I'm going to do that. And so I set a goal and had no idea what it meant, had no idea that you had to qualify and that it was going to be arduous and no idea what it was going to cost me in terms of time and money and effort. I said, that's it. I'm going to do the O-I-N-I, -I -I, man. And after, you know, being smart, hired a coach, which is the fancy word for a mentor, hired a mentor <laughs> and who was 10 years older than me and had done the race 20 times. Um, and I had this beautiful chapter where I did Ironman and I did it well in Australia and came top 10 and I went into international competitions and represented my country and had a really good experience doing that for a number of years. It wasn't until probably four or five years later, I realized, holy smokes, yes, the t-shirts and the medals and the photos were amazing, but holy smokes, the lessons learned from that mm. chapter of being an Ironman mm. athlete and the lessons I learned about myself and discipline and focus and attention and detail and what I'm capable of doing, those lessons have stood me in good stead and have been useful for another 20 years, way beyond 
uh, the, the use of my triathlon bike or the little Australian speedos that I can no longer fit into. Um, the lessons were really, really powerful. And I I think it's true for most goals that we set when we set a goal to, you know, finish a uni degree or, or launch a website or, 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 uh, whatever the goal happens to be travel to 10 countries. I think the goal is important because that's the short term pull, but hopefully the lessons that come out of it become long-term and valuable and set you up for the next goal, whatever the next goal happens to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's very powerful. Like, I think that's like for anything is it's like everything is everything. Like I think fitness, fitness, like I found for myself, like I always go back to like when I used to play soccer and my dad was my coach and like I was one of those oh, wow. people that, yeah, which was very powerful. I'm so grateful. Like, cause on the pitch, what happened was I was actually super aggressive on the pitch, but outside in life, like I wasn't really, it was like, I flicked the switch when I was on the pitch, but like, the lessons I learned in that from like one season, I think a couple of seasons we like finished last and we would lose games like 10 nil and stuff like that. And then there was like a mm-hmm. switch and then we ended up like winning the league and stuff like that. But like the powerful thing was, I remember I used to go and, and like go to the park every single day and like kick the ball and like I would practice juggling and the amount of times like the ball would drop or I'd like, or even in a game where like I'd take the risk to try a skill and like it wouldn't work out or like I'd miss a shot and stuff like that. But like how powerful was it as I kept like trying that and I like, kept going and I ended up like getting like quite good. Like I'm quite confident that I got quite good at, at football uh, and, and went pretty far with it. And, and like, I always use those lessons now in like what I'm doing now. And especially with the, with the exercise that you did with us in the ultimate coach professional, am I allowed to speak about it? Cause I know it's confidential. <laughs> I'd probably prefer you not to. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Well, um, look, we just did a challenge where you had to get really, really resourceful. Uh, and I think that stuck with me the most out of everything as yeah. well. Yeah. Like that, it really teaches you that you can do anything. Like I remember like using like the Tony Robbins power pose to like increase my testosterone by 20%, like to take action and things like that. Uh, and I think, like that will stick with me for the rest of my life. Well, and I love that. And I think if, again, if you're listening to this, I would really, really, really like to call out the greater part of you. Trust me, everybody listening to this, you are capable of more and you Mm. have more resources in you than you know. And whether you're having a tough time right now because of the coronavirus or whether you're having a tough time because of your financial circumstances or whether you're just having a tough time because of your living circumstances right now. I promise you, I promise you, human beings, human beings have more in them than they know. And, mm-hmm. and there's a funny bit of science to this. Your brain is designed to keep you safe and small. So your brain is designed to protect you. So when you're doing push-ups and your brain says, oh gosh, I'm tired, I better stop. The simple reality is your body has 40 to 50% more capacity inside it than your brain allows it to access because your brain wants you to stop to conserve the energy. Mm. So that's a bit of science right there. When you think you're done, when you think you're at maximum capacity, when you think you're exhausted, when you think you can't take any more pressure, you actually can. Your brain has got like this braking mechanism that steps in earlier to stop you because your brain's job is to protect you and make you survive, not to make you thrive. So trust me, all of us are capable of more than what you are producing right now. And I say that because I've known that for myself to be true. And as Darren mentioned, you know, we, we've played some games where I've asked people to do things. And when I ask them to do them, they look at me and go, 
Are you nuts? There's no way I can do that. I, I still remember they, Jerry's face. <laughs> they, they literally look at me and go, there's, yeah. Scott, there's no way. That's, that's not possible. I'm like, trust me, it is. They're like, no, yeah. it's not. Like, I'm telling you, my brain is telling you that's not possible. I can't find a place to live right now, or I can't find a job right now, or I can't, you don't understand. And people say that to me and say, you don't understand, Scott. I'm like, trust me, I do. And that is your brain going into its protection mechanism. But I trust me, I'm 52 years old and I've been around the world 30 times and I've done this a lot. Trust me, I know all of us are capable of more than we currently think we are, whether it's about mm. creating finances, getting a job, changing circumstances, or doing some remarkable things that we think we're not capable of. Very powerful. Thank you for that. You're welcome, man. Awesome. Um, look, uh, what else did I want to touch on here? So we talked about, obviously, backstory. I'd love to touch base on like how powerful adversity is, because I know when you talk about more, and I know for myself, if you want to say, like really building the more masculine energy, they always say like challenge is what builds the more like masculine energy in you when it comes to life. And that's like, I think it's important to understand that like, we both have masculine and feminine energies. You could say like, I want to be very careful how I'm saying this, but the more masculine energy is the thing that takes the action. It's like what builds like the empire, right? Or what builds your company uh it's like that warrior energy and then like the feminine is the more feeling the more internal work but like how important has adversity been for you in your life and what are like what? ways that you found to like reframe adversity it's a challenging paradigm and it's one that i'm very present with right now if I look back on my life and go, have I had some adversity? Yes. Did I learn some lessons from it? Yes. Um, the challenge with it is that this next generation has not necessarily had a lot of adversity or thinks they're having it, but it's not really adversity. Um, and so the challenge is I, I need to have some adversity to be successful, yeah. um, which is not true. Yeah. And so, um, and I'm present of this myself because my children are living in a, a, a very different experience to what I had. Um, their financial lives are comfortable and abundant. Their emotional lives are full and rich. They have two parents home all the time that love them and engage them physically. Mm. They're well and healthy and so forth. Like I've got, you know, my seven year old boy's been to you know 20 different countries around the world. Wow. Um, they can ski and dirt bike and snowboard. Um, they've, you know, they've had very full and abundant lives. And part of my, you know, 1970s and 80s brain goes, well, gosh, they haven't had very much adversity. Maybe I need to toughen them up. Um, yeah. So that, but that's that 1970s model of the world thinking that, that says yeah. I need to force some adversity on them. Yeah. I think rather I'd say look, masculine energy is about taking action. And mm. I think the place to start with for all men, whether they're 50 or 20, is with physical things. Mm. Men are supposed to jump on things, hit things, climb things and do mm. things. You know, at 50, yep. I went, wow, I, I should probably take up, you know, uh, golf or Pilates. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. I took up surfing and dirt bike riding nice. um, at 50 because I've got a 12 year old son and a seven year old son and they want to go dirt bike riding and surfing. Yeah. Um, and I think many men have lost that physical um, hardness to them. Yeah. So I think that's, if you're stuck, I'd say go do that. Cause that's adversity. That's creating conscious adversity. Yep. If you're at your 12th push up and you've never gone to 15, well, holy crap, getting to 18, <laughs> that's overcoming adversity. Yeah. You know, 
Um, or riding a dirt bike at 60k an hour through a, a forest where if you look up and hit a tree, it's going to be massive adversity, mm. um, which means you got to stay focused and conscious or jump off a mountain or build a fence or climb something or whatever it is. I think, I think that's the first easiest and most accessible place to start. And I think it's a place that most men have stopped. You know, mm. most boys and men aren't doing those physical things that are scary because we've become a safe culture. Yeah. You know, I went to the skate park last week with my boys and they all had the gear on safety gear, helmets and wristbands and whatever, wrist guards and whatever. And um, sure enough, one of the boys came up to me after and said, dad, I'm hot. The, the elbow guards and the wrist guards are making me sweaty. I'm like, fine, take them off. And I knew it was going to happen. And he took them off and literally on the next drop in into the bowl, he fell off, landed on his wrist. And I turned to my wife and said, that's going to be broken. And sure enough, it was broken. And so he's had a cast on for the last four oh weeks. God. It's been a pain in the ass because he hasn't been able to swim and hasn't been able to surf and hasn't been able to jump in the pool. But I'm like, but most parents wouldn't have let him take it off. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, I'm like, fine, dude, take it off. Let's see what happens. Learns the um, lesson. And he broke his wrist, like literally on the first <laughs> drop in. Um, and I'm not sad by that because I'm like, trust me, he'll learn to either skate better or he'll learn to keep his wrist guards on. Um, and I know people find that people, some people go, Oh, it's your job to keep your kids safe. It's not my job to keep mm. my kids safe. It's my job to bring them up to be whole and complete human beings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we just set up, we just put some monkey bars installed in our house two weeks ago when the schools all got closed. Oh, wow. And you know, I sit here and watch my kids fall off them. And the most advice I might give is, mm, Hey buddy. Oh, I probably I'd use two ends on that. You can use one if you like, but I'd use two. And sure yeah. enough, they use one and they fall off and uh, they're not going to die. It's only, you know, four feet to the ground and they land on grass. Mm. But I think physical movement is the adversity that you can create now. I think physical yep. challenge is the adversity you can create now. And then that can transfer into a, a mental adversity, like learning guitar or learning mm. your times table or, you know, uh, doing some sophisticated, complicated Lego or some drawing. And then that transfers into taking that ability to overcome physical adversity and mental adversity into maybe some emotional adversity, like just simple things of greeting people or being able to speak up or being able to, you know, ask for a job or being able to start an online business. So I think you can build the adversity muscle mm. without necessarily having to, you know, have had three dads before you were 10 and, you know, went yeah. to eight schools before you in grade eight and, you know, lived in 25 houses, all of which was adversity, but not something I can, recreate so that my children get the same experience that I have. <laughs> no. I don't want my children no. to have the yeah. same experience as me. I want them to have the, the experience that they need to have. Yeah. So that was yeah. a long diatribe. Again, if you listen to this fellas, make sure you're doing things that are physically challenging, which means they're yeah. uncomfortable. I don't like dirt bike riding, but it's good for me. And afterwards I mm. feel really, really, really fucking brave and tough. Yeah. So, so I get on it and I'm scared. It's like, it's a big 450, you know, CC engine. And my mates mentors can all ride better than me. I'm the worst guy in the group, which already makes me feel bad. Um, but I know but that, that it's creates good for the me. adversity. So do, it totally does. That's why I do it. Yeah. So, so do things that physically challenge you and, um, and cause you to, to be out of your comfort zone. Do things that, that, that cause you to go, shit, this is going to hurt if I stuff yeah. up. Um, and, and then that said can transfer into mental adversity and emotional adversity and, and so on. Yeah. 
Yeah, wow, that's that's extremely powerful. And I found that like in the last year, I for five months I did door to door sales. So that was like that was great adversity. Yeah, great it adversity. Was, it was so powerful, like because it just immediately put you in a position where like you know you had to obviously you're on the spot and you're just knocking doors but it got to the awesome. stage there where like i loved it so much good. that like good. it was commissioned but like i was running to doors to doors like good yeah on days yeah. which was awesome and it, like i'm so grateful that for that experience like unfortunately it was a bit difficult because it was like fully commissioned so it was really good for my mindset because i had bills coming in so i was like like i actually have to do this you know like yeah um yeah which was which was extremely powerful uh but like i found that things like that like even doing it maybe for like three to four months you got to do the stuff that like other people maybe aren't willing to do like that's how you get to where you really really want to go 100 um, percent, man i tell people all the time you want to get go over you learn to overcome adversity doing a sales call job where it's door to door or on the phone most yeah. people are like that's going to be hard i'm like it's going to be hard and uncomfortable and awkward and <laughs> yeah. trust me the lessons you will learn and the muscle you will build will be the most powerful thing you'll ever get. hundred percent. There was days like I was on commission and like, I was working like I'd go in from like seven in the morning. I wouldn't get home till like nine at night. And there were some days where like, say we work like a seven hour day out on turf or a walk in the turf. I was on commission. Yeah. So if I got a zero, like I wouldn't get paid. And there were some yeah. days where I got zeros and it was like completely yeah. down to like my own energy. So like people yeah. would respond to like what I was the energies of my thoughts. So it was like so powerful and you had to like center your mind and like fully believe. And then there were some days it was like, I walked into heaven and I got like three or four, five, six, like in one go. And it's so yeah. funny. Like it's so powerful. Those lessons though. Yeah, totally. Good for you, man. Thank you. Uh, beautiful. Awesome. Um, look, I know we're coming to the end now. Um, look, what I'd love to just ask you is, like how important do you believe like a rite of passage or initiation into manhood is? Uh, obviously we've touched base on this and you've talked a lot about mentors and how would you see like that playing out in today's society? Obviously I have my own ideas in you know, the future with, with how I'm going to build this, but I'd like to hear your perspective. Well, I mean, I think from a big picture, it's critically important. Um, we don't have it in Western culture. It's significantly absent. And I think it's massively consequential. We've got adult teenagers running around consuming, you know, uh, drugs, alcohol, credits, pornography, uh, disruptive behavior um, because they're, they're adult teenagers because they've never had a rite of passage that transitions them from being a boy into a man. So it's, it's yeah. definitely a need and a wound. Um, how to solve that on a global challenge, I don't know the answer to that question. How to solve that on a community chat label, I don't know. I know I've got my own plans uh, mm. and intentions from my own boys on how to do that and what I'm planning to do. My boy's 12 and already about stuff that we're talking about and thinking about for these next three to four years. So by the time he gets mm. to 15 and 16 is where he needs to be. Uh, I guess if you're listening to this and you haven't had that experience because you had either bad parenting or negligent parenting or no parenting, or you're just, you're listening to this and you've got children and you, 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 you've never done that for them. I guess the beauty is you can take yourself on the journey. Yeah. And, um, and it's going to take some work. It's kind of repeating the same things we talked about, buddy. It's kind of like, it's going to take, you know, some conversations with your ex stepdad or your past father or your mom. Um, just to clean some stuff up and to heal some stuff and to, you know, uh, close the chapter. It's going to take some reading of some books. 
you know, like you said, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Stephen Biddo's books. I, I literally am reading a They're book right good. now called, called Man Raises Boy, which is about parenting oh, young, wow. young boys. Um, Who's that by, Scott? Uh, it's by Rob Sturbrook. Uh, it, it, oh. I'm not sure how good it is. I only just got it delivered from uh, Booktopia yesterday, but I've just started okay. it because the journey never ends to reading. That's it. Um, so it's not yet a recommendation, um, but so it's going to take some work. <laughs> it's going to take yeah. some physical work from yourself. It's going to take you personally to say, okay, great. Who do I want to be as a man? It's going to take uh, one of my best bits of advice for you all will be to look around and say, okay, gosh, are there any, do I have any male role models? And, and if I do, how can I get closer to them? And if I don't, how can I go find some now? The minute you say that, your brain, which again is designed to keep you safe, says, oh, I can't find any. I live in the rang or I can't find any. I live in Dandenong. <laughs> well, what's great is there's this thing called the WWW. And for free, you can find role models. You can watch biopics. Mm. You can watch YouTube clips. You can read things from great men that have done great things, whether they were warriors, whether they were soldiers, whether they were business people, whether they were athletes. Me personally, I love a biopic. So I love a pic that's a true story about... You know, I made my kids yesterday watch uh, Hackshaw Ridge. I think it's what it's called. Um, mm. I don't know if you've seen that film. It's a great I story. Think I, I think Rocky Balboa can be a role model for you if you're old, young mm. enough to remember, old enough to remember all the Rocky films. You know, Gladiator yeah. can be a role model for you. Yeah, Gladiator um, is such a good great, movie. Great stories where men have done amazing, beautiful things with their brain. You know, uh, mm. a beautiful mind is a great you know, role model story about a man whose brain was incredibly powerful to use it to solve some significant problems. So whether it's books, biopics, videos, YouTube, they're all great ways to have role models and be thinking about what sort of man do I want to be? Not what yeah. do I want to get and what do I want to have. I get you all want a red Ferrari and a big house and a fancy boat. I get that. And a hot girlfriend. Um, <laughs> every guy wants that. Yeah. But I'd be thinking about who do I want to become? And, and who do I want to be seen as? Not for what I've got, but for who I am. Mm. And if you can start to look, you know, at arm's length to find those role models by reading great stories and watching great biopics and watching documentaries and watching great movies, um, it can then lead into, you know, real life meetings of people. And you'd be surprised who lives in your street, or I know you can't meet people right now, but who, who do you already know that could be a role model for you in certain areas. And the one caveat I put on this is that I'm not looking for my role models to be perfect at everything. Yeah. So I've had men in my lives that have been great role models on, I think about one guy in particular, he was a great role model on integrity and loyalty and family first. Um, and just those good Disney values. Mm. Now he was not a role model on financial success and wealth creation because that wasn't important to him. So mm. I found other role models for my wealth creation and my success. Don't be thinking your role models have to be gods yep. uh, or demigods. They're not Maui from Moana. <laughs> but at this one particular thing, maybe they're extraordinary that. Like if you can find mm. someone that's been married for 30 years and has got grown up kids that like him, it's mm. like, well, that's an old man that I'd probably want to take out for lunch. Yep. Now, he may be in poor physical health. So don't use him as a role model for physical health. Yeah. Um, if you can find a guy that's 20 years older than you, that isn't, you know, bald and hairy backed and big bellied, you might go, gosh, I'm 20 years old. That guy's 40. He looks really good. Okay. Well, he can be a role model for me around health. I want to be that guy when I'm 40, not, not the, you know, big bellied guy when I'm 40. Um, so look for role models that in your real life, but just role models that can be 
about one particular area and not be looking for some fake god that you're going to put on a on a on a, on a, on a pedestal. Yeah, because that will like immediately crush your expectations and you'll end up having. Well, it doesn't work. It's not real. No, it's, it's not, not real. real. And yeah. like, I think what you said there, because I was chatting to a guy, like he he um, owns the gym that I go to, and he was saying because I went to him for some advice and he was saying like, get clear on like, say like your five or six pillars of life. And you talk about that as well. Values. And same thing. Yeah. Values. Yeah. And it's like, whether like for me, it's like health, like financial family, uh, social, and then it'd be like spiritual. Um, and then have like five different mentors that you can go to who are, as you said, like great in those areas. So you can go to when you're like struggling and keep like, tracking those different pillars and say like for example have like two things so for like my family i have like check in with my brother and sister with my like grandparents with my mom and dad and like spend some time with them so then i'd look at someone like maybe like yourself scott who like you're really family conscious and i'll go to you if i'm struggling with something there that pillar wasn't as good and i'd say okay cool this is like my criteria how can i like shift this and then like also like financial, you know, things like that and get clear totally. on your and, and, and as you get older, uh, certainly in my life, stage of life, I've got multiple members, multiple mentors in each of those categories. Yeah. So, you know, I started having kids 12 years ago and immediately went, wow, who do I know that's going to be a great mentor for me? Who can I use as a role model and a coach? It's like, great. Mm. Who do I know that's got kids that's, that are 10 or 15 years older than mine? Mine was zero. Um, and I like the kids and the kids like their parents. And so I've got three different people that I call on for parenting advice and parenting wisdom. When I think about my finances, I've got three different people that I call on in my financial area to go, okay, well, I trust this guy's opinion on this and this guy's opinion on that and this guy's opinion on that. Great. And so... Um, I've got role models around my health. You know, who do I want to look like and be like for a guy that's 50 years old? So rather mm. than just have one, I, I've got multiple. So it's like in each of those pillars or values, as I call them, or categories, whatever word you want to use, yes, start with a different role model for each category. But then you might end up having multiple role models in the same category. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah definitely. So anyway, yeah, it's pretty useful stuff. Yeah, for sure. Now that's super powerful. Wow, I've taken a lot from today. Got my uh, got my book and my notes going. So good, 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 good. <laughs> Beautiful. So I guess if um, I was to wrap it up, I would just say um, to anyone who's listening to this. Firstly, thank you. Um, yep. Secondly, follow me if you choose to on Insta. It's probably the best place yes. to do that. Just scottharris.au. Um, there is a great free workbook in my bio. Uh, it's just seven simple steps on how to get anything you want. I like to keep things simple and clean. Um, so if you want to download that, you can. If you've got any questions, please always feel free to DM me or, or contact Beautiful. me. Um, and I would just say your destiny is in your own hands. And we live in a world right now that may have forgotten young men um, or had other areas of focus in the last 30 or 40 years. And that doesn't mean that um, we can't take responsibility for our own development mm. in manhood. I yep. love the work you're doing on your own journey. I love the work you're doing, helping other men uh, become even better men. And, yep. um, and I would say to you all who listen to this, you know, reach out, read, watch, talk, act. And, uh, and, and one day in a very short period of time, uh, you'll look back and go, wow, I'm really proud of how I've, I've, I've come so far. Yeah. And, uh, Beautiful. There, there's no 
greater feeling on earth. Trust me, I own a Porsche and I own a big boat and I own a big house and I've traveled the world and I've bought $100,000 jewelries for my wife. I can tell you right now, there is no greater feeling on earth as a man. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you look back and realized that you did something that you said you were going to do. Yeah. And, and that for me is that sense of internal pride that cannot be bought. It can only be earned and only we can earn it for ourselves. So set some goals, take some action and just rejoice in the feeling of going, yep, I did that. That was me. Fuck yeah. That like really brings out the, the date with destiny freedom. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Scott, man. This has been awesome. I've got a lot away from it uh, today, as I'm sure everyone who's listening will. And uh, thank you very much for anyone who has jumped on. Um, look, if as well, as Scott said, you can reach him in all those places, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, his website is, w, is it, it's www.scottharris.com.au. That's it, man. Yep, correct. Beautiful. You can jump on there. Um, he's a lot of free added value stuff as well. Uh, which, you know, I can vouch for has been extremely powerful in getting me to where I am now. And I know I'm going to utilize a lot of it moving forward as I keep expanding myself. So look, this has been awesome. Thank you all. And thank you again, Scott. It's been an honor. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you. Um, Have a great time, everybody. Live very deliberately and we'll see you out there on the path. Beautiful.